In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the second Sunday of the Holy Great Fast, and in this Sunday we read about the temptation of Christ in the wilderness, and we read in Matthew 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And why is it that we read this toward the beginning of the fast? Because we all, and anyone who embarks on any kind of spiritual struggle, like a fast, begins to be tempted by the devil even at the, from the very beginning, from even the very first day that we begin to uh, try to organize our lives, that we try to set ourselves up to do some kind of spiritual activity in a routine and more regular basis than we are used to, whether it be fasting or prayer or reading the Bible or serving or in whatever capacity, we find that immediately the devil begins to annoy us and he begins to bother us. And we notice that we begin to have conflicts with the people that are around us, maybe conflicts that we're not used to having, that suddenly things begin to happen that we are not used to, or begin to feel tempted or distracted by different things that are happening to us to bother us or annoy us, to get us distracted from the time of fasting. So we read in the book of Sirach, chapter 2, verse 1, Son, when you apply yourself to the service of God, stand in justice and fear and prepare your soul for temptation. So it's very clear from Scripture that any time that we begin to do any good work and any spiritual work, that immediately the devil responds and he begins to tempt our soul. And in order for us to fall, in order for us to give up and not to continue. So it's important for us to realize that this time of fasting that we're in is also a time of temptation. And yet these temptations, we can benefit from them. We can learn from them. We can understand ourselves better through them. I want to speak a little bit about what is it that we benefit from the temptations that we experience, whether it be during the time of the great fast or any other temptations that we have. The first thing that we learn from temptations is that we fall because of our own passions, the passions that we have inside of us. What is a passion? Passion is like uh, an inward desire that I have, an inward weakness that I have that causes me to repeatedly sin in a certain way over and over and over again. If I have a specific passion inside of me, I find myself falling in any particular way often in my life. What does it mean actually for Christ to have been tempted when we speak about it? He, he, he was tempted like all of us, but Christ did not have any passions inside of him. He had nothing that was stirring him with desire for sin, and so he did not fall as a result of the temptations that he experienced. We read actually in James chapter 1, it says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. This is like a cycle of sin, like a pattern of sin, that when we are tempted, we are drawn away. The minute that we are drawn away by our desires, by our enticement, and when this desire has conceived, meaning that we are now con committed to actually carrying out this act of sin, that it gives birth to sin, and then the sin, when it has come to its fruition, when it's come to its completion, then this is what brings forth death upon us. Abba Zosimas, he says, the soul has as many masters as it has passions. These passions can rule over us. These passions can determine the course of our life because we find ourselves making decisions based on not what is good, but on what our flesh tells us to do. That we respond not by self-discipline in our life, by making right choices, but we find ourselves making decisions based on fleshly emotions. 
and based on our personal desires and, and our selfish desires that we that we make not considering God's command not considering other people not considering anything else but how we can please ourselves so the first point to understand about the, about temptations is that temptation is something that is coming from deep inside of us because of the passions that we have the devil tempts us in the areas of weakness that we have the second thing we can learn from temptations is that temptations help us to understand ourselves they help us to understand ourselves in mark chapter 7 it says from for form from from within out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts adulteries fornications murders it is from within not from the outside right because the passions are already baked into us they're already inside the devil only has to kind of like give us any kind of small enticement and the passion that is within us responds immediately the weaknesses that we have respond immediately so in it is through temptations that we actually discover ourselves when I am tempted by something and I see how I respond to it, this tells me something about who I am. You know, sometimes we observe external sins and we say, okay, I'm sinning a certain way. And even if I go to confession, I'm confess maybe the outward sins that I commit. But it is through these temptations that we begin to like essentially have an internal map to understand who it is that I am and to see how is it that I have been wounded by these passions. Again, the passions themselves are not the sin. The passions are like the source of sin. The passions are like the factory of sin, where, where sins are, are made, right? So we, in order to really understand ourselves, when we look at what is it that tempts us, what is it that we fall into, and we begin to put together kind of a, a better understanding of who we are. So these temptations help us to discover our passions so that we can begin to fight them. The third thing that we learn from temptations is that the passions distort reality. Our internal passions do not allow us to see the world as it is. You know, let's say someone who has a passion of anger, that we very quickly fall into anger. And we know that when someone is angry, we don't see the world rightly. We don't see the world in the right way. We overreact to things. We over-exaggerate things. We begin to assume motivations and other people perhaps that they don't have. And we begin to become angry toward them and, and toward many people around us. And we begin to see the world in a certain light that maybe is not true. Or maybe if we have kind of a, a, a passion of despondency and sadness and despair, we see everything around us as bleak, as dark, as of having no purpose, as there being no good in anything. Is this really the truth? Is it true that there is no good in anything? Or maybe it is just that I myself have this passion inside of me. When Elijah the prophet was being persecuted and he was going through this period of despair in his life, he believed that there was no other person who worshipped God in the entire world except for him. And God told him, no, there are still so many other people, thousands of people, that still worship God and do not worship Baal. So he, out of his despair, began to make assumptions and things about the world that wasn't true. But he believed it because inside of him was this despair. So whenever we fall into a kind of passion, we don't see ourselves rightly we don't see the people around us rightly the pharisees they thought that christ did miracles through the power of the demons and that's because they were jealous of him they had this inward jealousy and so they couldn't accept the reality of who he was that he was the messiah that the miracles he was performing were genuine that they should submit to his authority they couldn't see this because inside of them they had this passion of pride they were afraid of losing their authority so in, in so many ways, we are hindered from doing what is good 
because of the distorted reality that comes from the inward passions that I have. If I have an inward passion of pride, then I refuse to accept that I'm wrong in anything. I refuse to confess a sin. I refuse to apologize. And I want to justify my actions and defend myself in everything because inside of me, I have this passion of pride. So passions distort the reality. Another thing that we can learn from temptations is that the negative passions that we have is, is what should be eliminated. We should struggle and fight against these passions. And this is part of what the great fast is about. The great fast is to being very focused and concentrated on fighting the passions, on not allowing our passions to control us, not allowing us to be taken in any direction that these passions are leading us, but to stand firm against them and say, through the grace of God, during this period, I'm going to fight the passions and I can, have con I can conquer and have victory over them. Okay? So we should identify the passions that we have and destroy them through the fasting, through the prayer, through the confession, through spiritual reading, and so on. Abba Biman, he said, when David was fighting with the lion, he seized it by the throat and killed it immediately. If we take ourselves by the throat and by the belly, with the help of God, we shall overcome the invisible lion. So Abba Biman, he made this analogy with King David when he conquered the lion and how he was able to destroy the lion and as though these temptations and these passions are represented by this lion, and if we take ourselves by the throat and by the belly, and when he says by the belly, he's saying by our human desires, right? By the desires of our appetite, by our, our, our desires of the flesh. This is why we focus on changing our, our, our food, for instance, during the time of fasting. We deny ourselves the food that we like. We learn self-discipline, how to fight against the passions through the, the denying ourselves of any worldly comfort that it is that we enjoy. So it's important for us to realize that this is a war that we are in and we are fighting this war. And during the times of fasting, we are reminded that even though this war is ongoing all the time, that we are fighting our passions all the time, that we are trying to grow in holiness all the time. But the church has set for us these seasons where the war is intensified where actually even the temptations that we have during this time is intensified to remind us that this war is ongoing. This is something that we are called to fight, that we are enlisted in God's army to fight against. Also at the same time, passions can be good for us. They're, the God, God can use these passions in a good way. Amba Isaiah, he said, passions like anger, jealousy, and even lust are given to us with a particular and sacred purpose. Unfortunately, we have misdirected and misused them so that they have now come to be regarded as evil. However, the original purpose of anger is for it to be used against injustice in the world. The proper reason for envy is so that we may seek to emulate the virtues of the saints and the natural goal of our desire to thirst for God. However, we have bent these natural forces out of shape and so now we are angry at our neighbor over petty reasons. We are jealous about marital things and we lust after earthly things. These passions that God originally created in us, that we would direct them to do good. He says, we should be angry, but what should we be angry at? Should we be angry at one another? No, we should be angry at the devil. We should be angry at injustice. I should have envy in my heart for what? Envy to, to gain virtue, envy for holiness, envy to emulate those who are holy. But instead, we envy each other, maybe for other reasons. Even the, the desires, the lusts that he says, 
Instead of lusting after earthly things, we should be desiring the heavenly things. So it's important for us to see that these natural desires that God gave us inside of us are good, but they have been twisted and corrupted and defiled. And during this time of fasting and the spiritual warfare, we are called to direct ourselves again to God, to redirect these passions that we have to something that is good. The sixth benefit, the sixth thing that we can learn about temptation is that weakness increases humility. Weakness increases humility. If Imagine that there was a world without any temptation whatsoever. Imagine that we were never tempted and that in every way we were strong and every way we were successful and every way, way we did what was right. Very, very quickly we would all fall into pride. Very, very quickly we would feel that there would be no need for God at all because we are not in need of anything. <coughs> God allows temptation. God allows this temptation so that we would remember our own weakness <coughs> and not fall into pride. And this is a very important thing because if we fall into pride, actually, this is worse than any other temptation and any other sin that we can commit. When we are prideful, it cuts us off from the life with God. It cuts us off from hearing his voice. It cuts us off from listening to him. If you look at the example of the Pharisees in the New Testament, these were the people that were full of pride and believed that they were righteous. And because they believed that they were righteous, nothing that Christ said mattered to them. Nothing that Christ said affected them. Nothing pierced their hearts. In fact, they judged Christ. They believed that they were better than him. They, they wanted to destroy him. And in every way, they believed that they had done nothing wrong and they were the righteous people and that Christ was the sinner. They refused to listen. But if you go to those people who are sinners, the harlots and the thieves and, 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 and the tax collectors and all those people, those were the people that accepted the message of Christ because they understood their own weakness. They understood that they were sinners and they did not have pride, but they were accepting this message of mercy and salvation that he offered them. So even though when you look at it, you're like, well, would you rather be a Pharisee or would you rather be a harlot? Well, clearly, you know, the, the Pharisees were more respectable people than the harlots and the thieves. But in the eyes of God, the Pharisees were the ones that were the furthest from salvation than, than all of the others. We even ask in the great fast doxology that we pray during matins, during the great fast, we ask God to make us like the harlot and to make us like the thief and to make us like these people because of their great repentance that they had. Whereas the Pharisees had no repentance. The Pharisees re refused to accept that, th that they were sinners. And so we want to grow in humility. And when we ask God to humble us, Sometimes the way he humbles us is allows us to discover the passions that we have inside, the weaknesses that we have inside through our falling. God does not want us to fall. God does not want us to sin. But the reality is, is that when we fall, we grow in humility. We should grow in humility. We realize our weaknesses and who we are. And Babiman said to uh, St. John the Short. So St. John the Short was um, a monk. who's a famous monk in the church. And he prayed to God to take away his passions. He was praying, he was asking God, take away his passions so that he can be free of care. So his spiritual father told him, Ambabiman, he told him, go beseech God to stir up warfare so that you may regain the affliction and humility that you used to have, for it is by warfare that the soul makes progress. Imagine if we believe that we have enemies that are attacking us. Here in the church that we believe there is like uh, a gang of people from the outside 
that is coming to attack us in the church. We would be so alert. We would be so focused on nothing else but in defending ourselves from the attacks from these people. We wouldn't be in the church like, you know, having fun. We wouldn't be playing games. We wouldn't do anything except protecting ourselves and defending ourselves and thinking about how to defeat the enemies that are attacking us because our enemies are clear and they're obvious. And so we would, we would be successful because we are alert. The same is true with the spiritual life, that when we are aware of our spiritual enemies, that we become alert and that we fast with, with the mindset of wanting to conquer. We want to conquer our enemies, that it becomes truly a spiritual warfare that we are uh, actively waging this fight. And instead of being distracted by the things in the world and toying with the world and going after all these fleshly lusts and all the things that we are distracted by, when we forget that there is an enemy. So the idea that God allows us to be fought against, that he allows the warfare to happen, is not because God wants us to fall. It's because he wants us to remember that this is a fight and that in so remembering that this is a fight, that we will become alert. Then instead of wasting time, then instead of wasting our, you know, the, our days, day after day after day, not doing anything productive or useful, then instead he says, remember that you have an enemy and that the enemy is actively fighting you. Don't allow him to conquer you. Don't allow him to fight against you. The last point I want to mention of what we can learn from temptation is that self-knowledge leads us to avoid judgment. Now that we are aware of our weaknesses because of the temptations that attack us all the time, it makes me far less able to judge another person because I know myself that I am truly weak. I don't see myself as a righteous person. I don't see myself as strong. I don't see myself as someone that is better than anyone. I see myself actually as the weakest. I see myself as the chief of sinners, just as St. Paul said about himself. I see myself that I am not deserving of any good thing, and I am thankful for God's mercy that he is covering my sin, and so I also I have mercy on others, and I do not judge them. The more that we know ourselves, the less that we can judge others. Because I realize the capacity of human weakness, because I see it in myself. But when I am blinded to my own sin, and I don't know myself at all, because I have not experienced temptation, I, do not f I have not begun to fight against temptation to see my, my own weakness, then it's easy for me to ignore the fact that others are weak also and to just pretend like, okay, I'm expecting perfection from everyone and when someone is not perfect and someone does not do what I think it sh they should do, it's very easy for me to judge them. It's very difficult for me to forgive them because I see myself as being perfect and strong and so I expect everyone to be the same. When we experience temptations, we can be a support actually and can sympathize with and understand the weaknesses of others and we can help them and comfort them without judgment in those situations. So self-knowledge leads us to avoid judging other people. And this is a very important thing that we are called to do. God allows me to realize my own weakness so that I can serve others and to forgive them. So in summary, we spoke about seven points of things that we can learn from temptations. The first one is we fall because of our passions. Our passions are something deep inside of me. It is not that we fall because of the devil. The devil simply puts something in front of us that entices our inward weaknesses, and this is what causes us to sin. The second is, is that passions distort our reality. Our, our reality is distorted. We cannot see what what is, the, what is the truth around us? Because we, we are so affected by our own inward weaknesses that the whole world and everyone around us looks different than what they really are. 
The third is that temptations help us to understand ourselves. We know ourselves through the passions, through seeing our weaknesses, through being aware and attentive to who we are and what causes us to fall. The fourth is that the negative passions should be eliminated. This is a time of warfare that we are fighting in order for us to fight against these passions and overcome them. But number five, the passions can also be good. God created in us different desires that are intended for good, but they have been corrupted. And so we should always redirect those desires that we have toward what is good. The sixth is that weakness increases our humility, that we are aware of our, our, our weakness, that we are aware of our, our, our lowness compared to God when we are tempted. And then the seventh is that the self-knowledge leads us to avoid judgment. So in this time of the great fast, let us put up a fight because the fight is what allows us to discover ourselves. Someone who has never tried to lift anything heavy doesn't really know how heavy anything is. Someone who has never tried to lift anything heavy doesn't know how weak they really are. The only way that we know ourselves is by trying to do something, is by trying to fight. And in this fight, we discover ourselves. And in this fight, maybe we discover that I have a long way to go and that I begin to fight more and I begin to ask God for more help. And this is our spiritual growth that happens because I'm trying, I'm making an effort. So during this time of the great fast, may God allow us to be attentive and to be always fighting, praying, asking God to be with us in the spiritual warfare and complete the fast in peace. And glory be to God forever. Amen.